Welcome to the podcast, a podcast dedicated to highlighting the incredible students, staff, and community we have here in the Cache County School District. We are your hosts. I'm Tim Smith. And I'm Gary Thomas. Join us as we hit the road to visit schools across the district and explore what makes learning in Cache County such an awesome adventure. All right, we're here in studio today with uh, Brittany Foster and uh, here to share a little unique experience that we have coming up in our schools is the opportunity for our students to make contact with the International Space Station. Tell us a little bit about the ARIS contact that is coming up for one of our schools and how that got initiated and why we're involved as a school district. Yeah, the ARIS, um, it stands for Amateur Radio on the International Space Station, and that started because the Bridgerland Amateur Radio Club were really excited about the possibility of using some of their equipment to help a school talk to the International Space Station. And so they approached me and shared this project with me and encouraged us to apply and collaborate together, and I took them on. That's awesome. Uh, and a great opportunity. My understanding is the space station orbits the Earth 16 times during a day. And uh, and so they're always, uh, they're passing overhead several times a day. So which uh, which classrooms will have an opportunity to communicate with the space station? So the astronomy classes at the high schools have been invited to participate with the ARIS contact. Um, specifically, Emma Smith or Super Smith at Ridgeline has been one of the instructors that's heading up the project, and she's paired with Kelly Farr at Skyview, and they've they've uh, put together some fun activities for students, and they've been doing activities and projects throughout the year, the entire school year, to share the ARIS mission with students and also implement some STEM activities around the ARIS initiatives. So will these students all come together in the same location with the same radio to communicate with the space station? Will they be doing that from their individual schools? Both. So we're inviting students, some students to come to the on-site location. Um, ARIS allows 10 students to ask a question. So they're going to be selecting questions that are student-written, and those students will be for sure invited. And then a select number of other students will be invited to attend in the room or the location where the contact will take place. We'll also be live streaming the contact so students can watch from other areas of the school and the district. So I imagine this is a unique opportunity. Uh, Not a lot of schools get the opportunity to do this. Do you have any idea how many schools across the country participate? Yeah, it's a very unique opportunity to participate. The um, ARIS told us that it's considered a a once-in-a-lifetime activity. And we know that we were one of nine schools selected from the United States to participate this school year. How long will the contact be? It should be 10 minutes. And do we know exactly when this is happening? We won't know what time this is happening until the week of the event. So they, um, NASA has to estimate what time the International Space Station will be going over the school. And they'll, they'll tell us exactly what date and time. For now, they've just given us a window that it's going to be sometime that first week of February. And did you say this is going to be live streamed? It will be live streamed on YouTube. So will the public be able to listen in and and how will they do that? Yeah, anybody will be able to listen in and we are going to advertise it on our social media pages. We'll probably put it on our district website and then we'll also it will be available on Eris's YouTube channel. Do we know which astronauts the students will have an opportunity to visit with? We don't know which astronaut. It varies from contact to contact. 
and each astronaut will just volunteer their time for a particular contact. So we won't know until the week of or even maybe the day of. Thank you, Brittany. We're now going to head to Ridgeland High School to talk to students who will have the opportunity to ask the astronauts questions and their teacher who has been helping them to prepare and organize this event. We're here at Ridgeline High School, as we said, visiting with a group of students in the astronomy class here at Ridgeline High School. And we're excited to be with each of you today and find out a little bit more about the ARIS project, where you will have the opportunity to speak with the astronauts uh, in the space station. So let me, let me start with Abby. Abby, uh, would you mind telling us how this project came about and got started and what your role in it is? This project came about when Super Smith, um, our amazing teacher, decided that she wanted to take this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to even talk to the astronauts. It's very rare that public schools like us get to talk to get into this program. So, yeah, it's such a, it's going to be a really cool experience and everything. Wonderful. So that's a great opportunity, just in a nutshell, so our listeners understand, uh, and from what I understand about this, is that sometime between February 6th and February 10th, you don't know the exact time or the exact date, uh, NASA will be contacting you and giving your class an opportunity to ask questions and communicate live with the astronauts that are on the space station. And I, that's just cool to think about that uh, they're doing those kind of things up there. So uh, Ellie, tell us um, why you, this is important to you, why you're excited about this opportunity. I think it's just kind of a rare opportunity just for us. I mean, like Abby said, just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, you know, it's not every day that you get to talk to an astronaut on the space station. I just think it's really cool. I've taken Super Smith's classes before. This is my kind of second time going through them. I'm also her TA, so I just think it'll be really fun to experience and, you know, a story to tell someday. So you wish you could trade places with the astronaut? Would you go up if you had the opportunity? Definitely. I think it would be really cool to, you know, experience that. Calvin, talk to us a little about what you're doing here in this group. Um, I'm just here because I've taken the class. Um, I took the space explorations astronomy class. Um, I've since elementary school, I've really liked learning about space. So I just thought it, I just kind of took it on a whim. Um, it's been really fun. And I think it's really cool that I get to be a part of the ARIS program. Absolutely. Vanessa, I was talking to you just a minute ago and you said something about you love to just be in your bedroom and you just don't like to go out a whole lot. And yet here you are at school today and you also said you need your daily dose of Supersmith. Tell me a little bit more about what draws you to this class and why you're here. So part of the reason I'm here is because I've always been fascinated with everything to do with space. Stars, how they form, galaxies, stuff like that. With Supersmith, she teaches in a way that I understand what is going on. She takes it slowly but also gets everything covered. And she does it in a fun way, so I'm not bored. Cool. All right, Darian, I'm going to jump over to you for just a second. Um, tell me a little bit about what brings you to this class. What interest do you have? Or did that become later? Or was that created by your teacher? I always like found space interesting, but um, I think it definitely, taking the class definitely helped me understand how much 
work has gone into getting to where we're going, to like even just going to Mars, just going to Mars, <laughs> just yeah, getting to the moon, going back to the moon, how much work has gone into that, uh, the space explorations class, uh, it kind of just like shows how much NASA and the Russians, I guess, Yuri Gagarin, how much work they put in to get to space. All right, so uh, sometime between February 6th and 10th, you're all going to have an opportunity to visit with the astronauts on the space station, the International Space Station. We want to know what some of the questions are that you might ask the astronauts uh, if given the opportunity. So whichever one of you wants to pick that up, let us know. So when um, Supersmith was kind of going through the questions, trying to figure out which ones we thought would be best, there was one that kind of caught her and mine and Abby's eye. And it was, what is your biggest personal goal in relation to space? And I think, I mean, it's a, it's a really good question because not a lot of the time, you know, people ask like, oh, what did you want like before? Or, you know, but they don't really ask like what they want while they're in space, like what they want to accomplish while they're there. You know, and that's really interesting because um, if you look at the history of the entire space program, these people stand on each other's shoulders to reach higher and higher into space. And so even the astronauts today on the International Space Station will have a small part to play to build a block for the next person to stand on and the next person to stand on. Um, and that's, that's, so that's a great question. See what their, their goals are. Others. I asked, um, what keeps you pushing your limits when you are struggling to find motivation? I think that's just like a good question to ask because obviously these are highly motivated people because they get to space. They're in space. They're these with massive, massive accomplishments. But I feel, I feel like everybody runs out of gas sometimes. And I feel like it's good to know what, uh, what these people who accomplish great things do when they're running at it, when they're tired. Yeah. Interesting perspective. Uh, you talk about limits and yet this almost seems limitless. You know, they're, they're in space. Where does that end? It just doesn't, it just, it's limitless. So cool, cool question. I would probably ask what type of experiments they would get to do on the space station, because I know that they do some, but I don't know what they would be. And the interesting thing I think about a lot of those experiments that they do on the space station is they're designed by people all over the world uh, that are having those them carry out those those experiments. I know our space dynamics group here uh, does some of that work right here in our own Cache Valley. So, others. Well, one question that I think I would want to ask is if I had the chance to ask any of the. Artemis astronauts, because there's a chance that we could maybe talk to one of them when we talk to them, and it'll be one of the females, and I would want to just see her perspective of how it would feel, like how it feels to maybe be the first woman to be on the moon or be the first person to walk back onto the moon since the last time we were there. That's, I think, probably would be my question, is how do you think you got here and how, like, how do you think that you will react if you find out you get to be the first person? So Abby, I've got a follow-up question for you on that. We've been to the moon. Why is it important we go back? To learn more things. Cause when we were last there, 50, yeah, 50 some odd years ago, 
we only were limited to a certain range that we were allowed to even travel. But now with how our technology has evolved and gotten over the years, we can travel so many different ways around the moon. We can travel bigger distances. We can explore new craters. We can learn how things grow on other planets and if it's sustainable for life forms. Yeah, you're right. We, we, I think we have more technology in our pocket on our cell phone than probably helped get us to the moon last time. And so there's definitely uh, things that we can do. It blows my mind we can land a rover on Mars and uh, collect specimens and do all of that work. It's, it's, I think that helps us when we push the limits of space and space exploration to inform us on how better to take care of the planet that we live on ourselves. Um, so that's really cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for talking with us today. Uh, you know, maybe one day we're going to see one of you uh, on the moon. I'm going to be watching the news and I'll find uh, one of you students doing something incredible. We're now going to talk to your teacher, Super Smith. And as you can see from her classroom today, she's quite passionate about uh, everything that she teaches when it comes to space. Well, it's inspiring to be here with you in your classroom today and to sense the passion um, what are some of the activities that you've done in preparation for uh, this event? Yeah, one of the nice things is that an, uh, there was not a lot of added curriculum things that needed to be done because we were very, very fortunate at Ridgeline that we have two astronomy classes. One is your typical high school, what do you expect to learn about in the night sky, star patterns, galaxies. But then there's this other course that I developed years ago, and I'm so appreciative of Cache County being able to let me teach it here. It's called Space Explorations, and it's essentially the timeline of humans' efforts to become spacebound, to leave our planet. And so we essentially go through from the launch of Sputnik in 1957 and all the human efforts, you know, to get to the point that we are now. And so um, many of the things for Eris, um, what is life aboard the space station like, is already in that space explorations class that many students have taken. Uh, we have the things that are most asked of astronauts that we cover in that class. Like the number one, well, actually it's number two. The number one question astronauts get asked is, what's the Earth look like from space? And they will very jokingly, but very rarely say, you take a globe, you shove it to your face. Because you're only about 200 kilometers or so above the Earth. So it's not these pull away panoramic views. It's, you know shove your face into a globe effect. So we didn't have to do like a lot of import new curriculum to satisfy um, the heiress requirements. Uh, the new thing that we're incorporating though is uh, ham radio. I've not done much uh, beyond um, a little bit of radio communication off our planet, but nothing related to ham. And so the BARC, uh, Bridgerland Amateur Radio Club, has been sensational in providing the equipment for this event to actually happen. And then uh, one of the long-term effects of this is not just that 10 minutes we're excited about, but we're incorporating now more ham activities in the astronomy classes for students. And we're going to be doing activities also forever in our curriculum uh, with uh, trans radios that we were able to purchase through Tools for School. And we'll be doing Fox and Hound. So Bart comes in, they hide a transistor in the school and the kids will use um, the radios to track and find where that is. So that is the piece that is the largest that we added to our um, instruction is uh, ham radio. So where do you see the future? You've got Artemis and uh, yeah. where do you see this going? Um, 
I mean, just, it's so cliche, but the possibilities really are limitless. There's such a need for, we have not spent any long time on another celestial body. We sent some people from the blue one to the gray one, sent them back to the blue one, but we've not spent time on the gray one. What would life be like there? So I just think even just the moon itself, and I love the thought of going to Mars, but just so much more to explore about our own moon, I just think is exciting. You know, I was thinking just, you mentioned when you were a kid, and I was thinking when I was a kid, and you talked a little bit about that disconnect maybe. Uh, I remember Tang, the drink of astronauts. When I was a kid, yeah. that was a commercial yeah. constantly. And, and I grew up drinking that stuff because, and I know there's a lot of things that we in general benefit from, inventions that have taken place and things that have been invented because there was a need NASA had for whatever reason and, and we're beneficiaries. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Felt markers. I yeah. mean, there's just, it goes on and on and on. There's very little that you can touch in the world that isn't some direct spinoff of the push to go to space. It's just incredible. And that's one of the activities we explore quite extensively is looking at all the NASA spinoffs and just how much it really does affect our lives and for so many beneficial reasons and places where um, starving folks are. NASA instead will take that money and create a satellite, launch it to scan the Earth's soil to see where's the best uh, to plant more food, to be more sustainable so you get more and more coming back from that. So NASA, we tend to think of out there, but the vast majority of NASA work is actually for Earth, to help humans on Earth. And that's something that um, I think is overlooked, just how much NASA does do for Earth and the 8 billion of us here. You said this is a once in a lifetime opportunity or chance for these kids, and that in and of itself has value. What other value does this have for kids? I think it gets them thinking of the fact that space is an option. Uh, I recently saw a graph um, that showed uh, across various countries asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the United States had the lowest percentage. It was just minimal of students responding they want to be an astronaut. And I think we've been so far removed from being excited about exploring space and, you know, the new endeavors that I don't think it's been really put into their minds, this is something that, you know, you can do. And so I think these students are talking about returning to the moon, um, going to Mars, beyond. And so I think a lasting effect of this is definitely going to be, not necessarily I can be an astronaut, but I can be a graphics designer for NASA. Um, I can write software for NASA is desperately needed to make sure all the satellites don't collide into each other. I think a thing, a great thing is there's so many opportunities not just being an astronaut, but just STEM careers in general. It's not something they just hear and think, oh, yeah, sure, someone will do that. But I think they'll start to see, I can think about that. Like when I was a kid a long time ago, you know, the possibility to go into space was such a reality where it just has not been for these kids. Well, thank you thank for you. Thank what you. you do for the students here in Cache County and the, the passion you instill in your students and your expertise. It's its just evident visiting with you today that you've spent a lot of time, <laughs> too much time. learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, no, it, it's great to have this avenue to share my passion. So I just love being here at Cache County, being able to do it. And Ridgeline, such a good place. Couldn't agree more. I, those were my words exactly. Yep. Thank you for, for what you do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. 
the podcast post bi-weekly, so make sure that you tune in and listen. And be sure to visit our website at www.ccsdut.org forward slash podcast, where there's more info about today's episode as well as pictures 